0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge
1: on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. And I want to bring in to this discussion now as we talk about the leadership race uh, the latest entrant, and that is Conservative Party of Canada leadership candidate Kevin O'Leary. Kevin, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. So why did you decide to leave what has been ostensibly a very lucrative career in business to enter politics?
0: You know, I was optimistic like everybody else when Justin Trudeau, because I'll always give a new leader a chance. And um, he's almost, um, almost been two years into his mandate, and I started to watch what was happening. And obviously, and I'm probably not the on, only Canadian that feels this way, I'm coming to the conclusion watching his policies and watching what he's doing, and particularly watching Trump and now President Trump as of today. I would have thought Trudeau would have pivoted the minute Trump won his surprise election because the policies, I putting in place carbon taxation, raising corporate taxes, raising personal taxes, higher regulatory environment on getting infrastructure stuff done. That is counterintuitive to what's happening south of the border. We have to compete with them. They're also our largest trading partner. So I was a little concerned. But what, what really hit me and what really motivated me to do this, and the straw that broke the camel's back, is this. When I read that report that he plans to have this country run deficits for 38 years, and then leaving us at a $1.5 trillion debtor nation. I've got two kids. They're 20 and 23. He wants my kids to inherit that. There is no chance in hell that's happening. Zero probability. That got me off my duff. I am going to Ottawa in 2019. I'm going to eradicate every one of his policies in the first 100 days I'm there. You will not remember his name after I arrive there.
1: That is a very ambitious plan that would require a majority government, and you've even said that anything short of a majority would not be a good enough mandate for you, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I've been very vocal about it today. I've made it public this morning. I told the caucus privately that if I do not deliver in 2019 a majority mandate, they should fire me because the things I need to do, I have to have a majority government. I'm going to appeal to the Canadian people to allow me to do this because you look at the mediocrity what's happening in Ottawa within his cabinet. These are people, and I know he wanted diversity, and I also agree with that. But in addition to diversity, you need executional excellence. You need people that have actually performed in their past. He has a complete chessboard of mediocrity, moves them around like chess pieces, and they fail in every mandate. I'm firing all them, too. I would never hire those people. It's incredibly. Where is it written? In the Canadian Constitution are in my passport that I have to settle for mediocrity, stupidity and incompetence. I'm done with it. I'm pissed. And many other Canadians are, too. I'm going in there to fix it.
1: Our parliamentary system, though, is often one that requires in a minority government situation for a party to work with the opposition. And it sounds like from what you're saying that you don't have any interest in doing that.
0: I'm not working with the opposition. I'm firing the opposition. I'm getting rid of them. What's going to happen is I'm going to win a majority mandate, and I'm going to put people in place in the major files that matter, and I'm going to turn the country's policies around. The whole idea of Canada, the the Canada I knew that gave me so much and I was so lucky to grow up in, had blue skies and lots of possibilities. The role of government is to actually set policy, not create jobs because it doesn't do that. For example, get our corporate taxes down to be competitive to whatever the U.S. is going to do because we have to compete, eliminate this carbon tax. This is insane what's going on there. That'll be repealed in days as soon as I arrive. Also make sure our regulatory environment attracts foreign capital so we can build our resource-rich country. And then once you've provided that bedrock and that and that soil that is fruitful, you let the flowers of business grow. You can't grow a weed in Canada today that soil is so poisoned by these these policies that, that Trudeau's put in place. We have to get rid of them. My job is going to be, as opposition leader, to shine the light of transparency on every move he makes for the next 24 months because I have to make sure he does as little as possible. The more damage he does, the harder my job is when I get there. And he should listen to this. Do not paint 24 Sussex Drive until my wife has seen the colors.
1: When you look at your plan as a prospective prime minister, and then you line that up with what we heard today from President Trump's inauguration speech, very protectionist rhetoric. We've heard his views on NAFTA in the past. I mean, what is your first-off approach to that as a PM? And secondly, how will you deal with that? How will you deal with a president at our biggest trading partner that doesn't seem to want or value that trade relationship between Canada and the U.S.?
0: Listen, that is a really important question, because we're going to need a very strong, decisive leader that actually understands the issue. and someone who's willing to get their hands dirty in the actual negotiations, because Trump is going to be very, very tough. You know, Trump versus Trudeau is Bambi versus Godzilla. He's going to get squashed. It's going to be brutal watching that happen. Trudeau made a big mistake by making noise about NAFTA, because Trump would have dealt with Mexico and China first and leading us out of the fray. Now he's woken up the giant That's because he's an incompetent and he doesn't know what he's doing, and now he's going to have to deal with it a lot sooner than he had to because Trump would have been busy repealing Obamacare and doing a bunch of other stuff on tax and then with the Mexicans on all the motor parts. But, you know, Trudeau had to open his mouth, and now he's going to be in a real big challenge in terms of how he's going to negotiate this. But listen, probably only 24 months till I get rid of him. I don't know how much damage he can do. But we're going to have a very lively debate on the way.
1: But what will your strategy be to look out for Canada's interest in a negotiation with the U.S.?
0: You know, we are the largest trading partner in 38 states. We have leverage. That's very important. We have to make sure, and they understand, that we're the largest border they share. We're a huge entity when it comes to military procurement. We spend $20 billion a year, a lot of it going to the United States. There are points of fulcrum as points of leverage. It's talking about executional excellence that really we want to talk about. When I think about the definition of leadership, it's getting and finding great people and asking them to do extraordinary things for you. That's what I've done my whole life. I don't tolerate mediocrity. So when you think about a long, tough negotiation, I'll bring good people. That's the whole point.
1: We have got to take a quick break. I'm joined on the line by Conservative Party of Canada leadership candidate Kevin O'Leary, continuing our discussion about his bid to be the next Prime Minister of Canada when we return. I'm Andrew Lawton. This is Afternoons on News Talk 770. Welcome back to the program. This is Afternoons here on News Talk 770. I'm Andrew Lawton, in for Rob. As we speak with Conservative Party of Canada leadership candidate Kevin O'Leary. Uh, Kevin, before the break, you were telling us that the big, I guess, kick in the pants for you to get involved was seeing the astronomical debt and deficits that Justin Trudeau was planning. And I have to ask you on that, because I know that there was a report in iPolitics today that you had contributed in the past to the Liberal Party and the Durham uh, Liberal Riding Association when was the moment that you were more of a conservative?
0: Listen, I look at who can govern and who's a good leader and who does work and get stuff done. There have been liberals I've contributed money to in the past. I was not involved in politics at the time. Obviously, the opportunity right now is to find out a way and ask the Canadian people very simply, do you want more politicians or would you like someone who actually has a track record of executional excellence? To run the country. What do you want to do? Because I have to expand the base of the Conservative Party dramatically to actually win a majority mandate. Here's what has to happen. I have to convince 62% of people between the ages of 18 and 35 to vote for me. I'm not going to spend any time in Ottawa after I win the leadership. I'm going to crisscross the country speaking specifically to them and explaining why I'm a better alternative for their future than Trudeau is in destroying them and their possibilities by burying them in debt. I have to do that successfully or I can never win a majority mandate, so I have to increase the base quite a bit and I'm really happy because when I announced this week and I didn't think this would happen, I think it might be unprecedented in Canadian politics, I put a 90-second Facebook Live out from the green room of a broadcast network. So I announced first on my own social media platform, Seconds later was on TV announcing again. By the time I got off the show, 2.7 2.7 million people had viewed the video, and 40,000 came to the website. I'm getting memberships now from people that never voted before, that used to be NDPers, that are liberals. I have to expand the vision of what the conservative brand means to people. So let me be clear. If you're LGBTQI, I'm 100% for you. If you want to legalize marijuana, 100%. On, on a, an assisted suicide, 100%. Listen, those items are done. But that's not our problem. The big files are trying to find a way to get the economy to grow to 3% because all the promises we make on health care, on education, on things that we do in the military, spending and procurement, and the social net we promise Canadians from everywhere doesn't work at 0.7% GDP growth. We have to get to 3%. So there really any... what I'm gonna be spending... Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, are there any non-economic issues that you feel it is important to tackle as prime minister?
0: Listen, right now, if we don't fix our economy will never have the canada we enjoyed in the past it's a crisis situation it really is you can't take 36 million people and put them 1.5 trillion in debt i mean just the thought of that is insane trudeau is insane if he thinks the people in canada want that he'll be imagine he'll spend all that money he'll be gone and you'll have to pay it back this generation and three more after it why does that make sense Why would I ever allow him to do that? The chance of that happening is zero.
1: But as prime minister, there will be matters of justice, of immigration, of foreign policy that come towards your desk, and a lot of Canadians have wondered if you have a plan for any of these things.
0: Of course I do. The first plan is to put very competent people on those files. I told you, I don't tolerate mediocrity. Nobody working for me comes into the middle of of their performance metrics. They'll be the top people, and I'm going to motivate them because that's what I do. I will not accept mediocrity. I promise the Canadian people on all of these files, on all of these cabinet positions, you will have the very per- the very best man or woman to do the work. And you, will- they will set goals, they will make them public, and they will execute on them or I will swap them out. That's how you run an efficient government. You do that for the people. That's what we have to do in Canada. That's not what we have now.
1: When you look at the MPs that are in the Conservative Caucus right now, do you see in that caucus people that you would like to work with as part of your cabinet, or are you really proposing a a complete, clean slate, bringing your own people in, new people, fresh blood, that you would like to have around you?
0: No, are you kidding? We have fantastic people in the caucus. Very motivated young men and women in there, and people that have a lot of experience as well. The key is to find the talent and put them in the right place. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm good at. And I may bring a couple of people from the outside in as well because of are certain files that are very, very important to me to personally manage. I'm particularly concerned about trade in Canada and finance. These are areas that I will be getting my own hands dirty in.
1: This is really important, because right now what we are seeing from the Prime Minister, and you've noted this as well in past interviews, is a very top-down approach with the provinces. We have a a very one-size-fits-all vision that's been put forward, and on carbon tax is a prime example of this. And when you look at trade within Canada and trade outside of Canada, I mean, what are some of the big items that you'd like to bring when you personally manage this? I
0: want to open up trade between provinces. The fact that B.C. wine is almost impossible to buy in Ontario and vice versa makes no sense to me. We have to have free-flowing commodities between the provinces to be efficient and drive down costs. That's very, very important. When provinces don't behave well, the way I'm going to manage is use transfer payments as punishment. So if you want to keep a carbon tax on, no problem. You want to make your people less competitive, no problem. I will just deduct that from the transfer payment. I'm not fooling around here.
1: You've taken on a lot of the social issues, and I don't want to mischaracterize it, so correct me if I'm wrong, a fairly libertarian position. You're focused on on reducing the size of government economically as well as on these social things. Uh, Since we announced that you were going to be on today, I've had more messages than I can count asking what your position on firearms laws in Canada are. Uh, Do you support the status quo? Are there changes that you'd like to put in?
0: No, I support the status quo. I own my grandfather's shotgun. It's mine. It should be mine.
1: The problem is, though, the status quo allows really the bureaucracy to get a lot more involved than it needs to be, many have argued. And we have all of these different regulations and classifications. And if this is not an area where you're personally invested, would you be open to putting in your cabinet someone that is prepared to represent firearms owners in Ottawa?
0: Of course. Listen, I want to do what the people want. But this is not... This is not the top of my agenda item. If we have an economy growing at 0.7%, we're screwed. i got to fix that. If you're that concerned and you think firearms is the only issue in Canada, you don't see the big picture. I get it. I listen to people, but I'm telling everybody I have to work on the big stuff. I'm not going to sweat the small stuff when I get in there. We have to fix the economy. We've got to create jobs. We have to be competitive with Trump. We've got to make sure we open dialogues up with other markets like China and England and everywhere else. That's where I'm going to be spending my time. You know, when you're in government, you have to pick a mandate and say, these are the three big things I have to fix right now. I'm going to be focused on that. And I don't lie to people. I tell them exactly what I'm doing.
1: No, and this is one thing that I have to respect about even the questions we've been asking, is that I'm not seeing pivoting, which is very refreshing with political interviews.
0: I'm not a politician. I have never. I don't owe anybody anything. No favors in Ottawa. I don't owe anybody any money. I've never worked for anybody in my life. This is the first time I'm employed. I'm employed by the Canadian taxpayer. That's the only person I'm going to owe anything to. And I promise them that I will reduce taxes because it's the right thing for our country. And everything Trudeau has put in place, I will eradicate everything. I consider him an incompetent manager. I can't fire him yet. I'll get rid of him in 2019.
1: Do you see that you could ever have a role in politics if it's not you as the leader of the party, as the prime minister? Would you ever work with someone else as prime minister?
0: I've been very clear. In order for me to do this and keep all these promises I'm talking about right now, I need a majority mandate. I'm going to ask the Canadian people to give me that. If they elect not to, then they should fire me.
1: What, what is, in your view, the first thing you're going to do, day one, when you're Prime Minister?
0: Day one, repeal the carbon tax as fast as I can, everywhere. And I'll put in place a system that's far more productive in getting innovation, in keeping down emissions, that does not penalize businesses and does not extract capital from their balance sheet. This game being played in Alberta and Ontario is crap. It's just another tax being wasted. We're $308 billion in deficit in Ontario. It's a disaster. Electrical costs 100% higher than they should be. This is terrible management in action. I have to fix all that. There's a lot of work to do here.
1: Conservative Party of Canada leadership candidate Kevin O'Leary joining me on the line live. Kevin, uh, thanks so much for your time today. Great to speak with you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. All the best to you. We've got to take a break here. When we come back in just a couple of moments, we'll hear from a former co-star of Kevin O'Leary's. Arlene Dickinson has a very different view of his aspirations from him. That's coming up in a few moments here on Afternoons on News Talk 770. I'm Andrew Lawton. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.